Hey everybody, welcome to episode 333 of the Running Rogue Podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, and I'm excited about today's episode because we're bringing on a longtime member of the Rogue community here in Austin to talk about his story, starting from scratch five years ago, building into his running journey to now dreaming of things that are much bigger. And so we're going to talk about building belief in him for those goals that are still ahead of him. His name is Dan Wiersma. And James Dodds as his coach. James will be joining as well for this conversation. So we'll get to that in just a second. First, I want to thank my sponsors for this episode, Johnji and BetterHelp. Run Johnji has now been a partner of mine for about six months, really loving their apparel. I just recently got temperatures cool enough here in Austin to try their Merino long sleeve tee and absolutely love it. Probably wasn't quite cold enough yet, but I went for it anyway. John G is a running apparel company that makes amazing functional apparel that also gives back to great causes. 2% of all revenue goes to support water projects all around the world. Plus, through their designs and colors, they celebrate countries and artists from all over the world. So go check out their stuff at runjohnji.com. You can get 15% off using my code ROGUE15, R-O-G-U-E-1-5 for 15% off your order. Go check it out. So thanks to Run Janji. And of course, mid-episode, I'll be talking about my other sponsor for this episode, BetterHelp. So stay tuned for an offer from them as well. With that, let's jump right into my conversation with James and Dan. Here we go. We are excited to welcome rogue athlete Dan Wiersma to the show. Dan, I'm going to let James, your coach, give you a proper introduction. But first, just how are you today? I'm great. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm honored. You, you guys had me on, you could have had the winner of the Chicago marathon world record holder, but instead you, you asked me on and, and that really just means a lot. He was busy this morning, but was going to make time for us. <laughs> and, and so instead we, you know, we chose you first. We said, look, we'll get to you later. Got to talk to Dan first. So excited to have you on, excited to share your story, Dan. I'm going to throw it to James, who's joining me for this episode as well, to your coach, and he's going to give a quick intro. James, what do we need to know about Dan before we really get to know him? There's a lot to know about Dan, and I hope he tell. I want to. I truly want to let him tell most of the story. But I, I would almost rather pivot a little bit and say, like, you know, you put all this content out there, and I think all of your listeners are consistently thinking like, oh, this is a tip that I learned that now I apply in training and I can get a little bit better. And then you multiply that times a thousand and you have all these different, you know, applications and improvements and, um, you know, experiences that athletes have. And I think um, there are so many rogue stories that are rich and full of meaning. And Dan and I actually talk about this, the, the idea of the podcast even came about uh, specifically with Dan um, because you know, he represents someone that's completely different than, you know, two or three other athletes in my group. And I know that that represents a microcosm across rogue. Like you have a variety of different personalities. You know, Paul's got a variety of different personalities. Kathy's got a variety of different personalities. And yet everyone's experiencing these similar life changes. Like they have their times that they improve within the marathon or the half marathon. Um, but then they also start applying some of the things that they learn within running to other facets of their life. And without giving away any of the story or even shaping Dan's story, I, I just think this is a cool opportunity 
to hear from someone who I've grown very close to over the past, what is it, three years, four years now, Dan? How long have you been Five. training? Five years. Gosh, that's wild. Time really, really flies. Minus, uh, minus a, a few hiccups here and there um, between the pandemic and, and Boise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's five years of someone, I think, first coming into Rogue, as someone often does, and it's like, hey, I'm here to train, and I want to I finish a half, and now it's like, uh, you know, we've raced before when we shouldn't have raced, like on a Friday morning on an easy run, and it's like, you know, I could actually keep up with you, and now you're a guy I wouldn't even try to do track work with, and I just think your story is really impressive, and I'm trying to touch on it from the high level, because I don't want to give any away away of your details i want you to be able to tell your own story but um you represent someone who i think is just well, i think of like well, part of my coaching theme is like uh narrative and uh epic journeys and i steal from joseph campbell who talks about the hero's journey where the hero sets out on this epic adventure and they've got this really great idea and they want to do something special and it means something to them uh, but they face trial and tribulation and they have those downturns or you know this language the dark nights of the soul um and it's like you go through that and on the other side, the story you tell, you're like, I wouldn't wish that upon anyone, but yet at the same time, how could I possibly be this strong without having gone through that, right? Um, and you have that all within your story. So um, yeah, I freaking want to get into it. How about that for an intro, that was, Chris? That was the least intro intro of all time. <laughs> I was going to say, he just put me at the center of the Iliad. Um, <laughs> so come on, at Homer. The, <laughs> at the very highest level, Dan joined Rogue five years ago. Trains with the Rogue Evening Edition, which is James's in-person, James and Jacob's in-person group that meets on Wednesday night at Rogue on and on Saturday mornings. So that's the full context. He's had five years of working with us in person and is still learning and evolving and dreaming of big goals. So we want to get through that, get through that journey. So I want you to take us back. Five years, Dan. Sure. What was the impetus for you deciding to join Rogue? Um, man, it was a confluence of of a, a lot of things. Um, I uh, was a soccer player for a long time, um, but I I honed my craft as the uh, the goalie, so I didn't have to move as much. So it's not like I was a, a runner. Uh, previously, but um, I had a, a, a pretty bad knee injury playing soccer here in Austin and really kind of just fell into nothing. Right. Um, and I, and so I was, I, I put on a fair amount of weight. Um, I'm, I'm a big guy. I'm six, three already. So um, I could kind of hide it in a lot of spaces and, and pretend that it wasn't a, an issue, but um I just, I just didn't like how I felt. Um, and it was, it was, it was a hard spot. And then, um, we had my son, uh, Jack in 2016. And, uh, I'll tell you what, when you have to try to keep up with a kid, um, a two-year-old, it starts to really hit you that, um, that the lifestyle that you've led just probably isn't going to work, right? Longevity or even short-term energy to chase a toddler or whatever. And um, my wife, she's, she ran some rogue races and, and has always been a pretty active person. And I think for the long time, gave me a pass and had been but lovingly trying to push me in a, in a certain direction. And, uh, you know, for my birthday, 
in, I guess it was August, 2018, she got me an Apple watch. <laughs> and uh, I would say that's not a not so subtle hint uh, about moving, moving forward. And she said, you know, I think honestly, and this is not an infomercial for Rogue, but she was like, I think, I think you need to join a running group. You need a team, right? You need a community. And um, she's like, I remember how fun the, some of the Rogue events had been that she had run in and whatnot. She's like, I think that's your place. And uh, serendipitously, um, surprised I got that word out, but um, <laughs> Wednesdays happened to be my free night um, between her work when she was a principal. And um, so I, I plopped in a Wednesday evening edition and started moving this uh, long haul trucker of a body. <laughs> Uh, week after week and, 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 you know, listening to James and Jagar walking through what it, what it meant to, to kind of, I guess, reboot the system. Right. Um, and yeah, ran the, the 3M half uh, in, in 2019. And James happened to actually, he's, he's a kind of like a guardian angel, uh, <laughs> but uh, was at the starting line. I was planning on running it solo ran into a couple of other evening editioners. And then I was asked, Hey, James, what are you, what are you running today? And he's like, I don't know. I'm just out there to have fun. Um, like he always is. And I was like, well, can I tag along? And, and he, he held my hand to a sub two debut. So I I'll take that. Um, and along, along the way, uh, lost a few pounds, lost quite a few pounds actually. And, uh, I'll tell you what, still chasing your kid is tiring though. <laughs> that's actually not the right why uh, for it's, runners <laughs> it doesn't get um, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily get easier it, it, doesn't. it just evolves but i want to go back though i want to go back yeah. to first your wife's comment about you needing a team and a community i think it's interesting that comment especially because as someone who grew up playing team sports soccer i grew up playing team sports it leaves a big hole in you when you get out of that environment because it is such a source of community and friendship and being pushed and challenged by others. So I'm curious as to that transition from even pre-running, you know, having that team sport environment to not, what was missing for you? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was, I was, I've always been scared of running. Um, even, <laughs> even when I was a soccer player, right. Which is why I was a goalie. Um, I did, I did a year of track, um, in high school and, and it wasn't, it wasn't super fun to me. Uh, it was, I was really nervous. Um, I just, it, I didn't get a lot of enjoyment out of it, even though my, my coach was like licking his chops over my long legs. Um, but I didn't go that route. I was the girls, uh, soccer manager, but, um, you know, I, I've always been scared of, of running because it felt isolated, right? That you'd kind of get out on a run and uh, or a workout or whatever, and particularly getting like stuck with like thoughts in your head. And so not only were you alone, but you were being chased by <laughs> something in, in your head. And, um, you know, it's just it's just crazy because I wish, you know, you talk about like going back in time and, and telling yourself these sorts of things, but you have to learn them. Like I couldn't think of a more community-based thing it's 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 a much stronger community than any soccer team i ever played for right it's it's much more welcoming and um 
way less lonely. I mean, again, for the goalie, <laughs> when they're on the other <laughs> side of the field trying to score goals, I mean, talk about being alone. I mean, there's a reason the kids start picking dandelions off the field. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of ironic to think about the, how, how much different my stereotype of running was than than the reality of it and you know i think you know all of my closest friends uh have come from evening edition and you know it's just it's just really shocking because everybody's in it for each other you know they there's there's this you know and it doesn't have to be back slaps and whatever you know it's strava kudos and all those sorts of things but it's just there's just this aura especially around the community that james and jacob have created in, in evening edition that we're all just rooting for each other. Um, I think it's, I think it's really special and it's, it's been what's sustained me, um, through every good time and, and certainly held me up through a lot of the more frequent, uh, probably the runs that are a lot harder, right? Those, those come a lot more than the good runs. <laughs> well, and I, I want to jump in there too, because, um, as further context, like I think of you as a pretty successful marketing guy as well. Like you have a cool career and, um, I'm, you know, you're someone I will go to for advice when it comes to that, but it's at that time, I'm fairly certain you would either and share only to the degree that you're comfortable, but it wasn't just even your fitness and everything. Um, I brought up the quote, dark nights of the soul. Uh, because that was the very first book I gave you. It was like, and, and I didn't plan that. I don't do that with all my athletes. You just came in and you had been laid off. And I know that that's a, a blow because you're a really hard worker and you're a very gifted communicator and you're skilled and talented at the specific type of marketing that you do. So to be laid off, you were coming to the table, I think, with other aspects floating in your mind as well. Um, so the degree to which you're comfortable with that, you don't have to share company names, et cetera. Like, uh, you know, I know you were carrying some of that mentally and perhaps that's why you didn't want to go on a solo run <laughs> and talk to Dan alone about those dark and scary thoughts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, and, and, and truth be told, just for transparency, I lost my, lost my job twice in the span of three years, you know? Um, and so, yeah, this, the second time, by the time I was kind of, that had happened actually after my first half, my second half, I'd lost my job. So I'd already started with Rogue um, and all of that. And then I lost it a second time. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I was already carrying a, a lot of things about um, body positivity and, and health and longevity and all of that. And, and, you know, trying to start new and then kind of hit a hiccup, you know, about nine months into Rogue. And so, yeah, I mean, there's a whole lot of things to work out, but turns out, you know, again, you know, we think of community as like positivity and whatnot. And, but you know, what you realize out on a lot of long runs is that everybody's working through stuff, right? We're all humans. We're all multidimensional. We've got good days and bad. And, and, uh, you know, we're all, we all need to talk through some stuff. Um, well, some people are quieter than others. I, I don't, I don't know who those people are, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think what you realize is that you're, again, you're not alone, right? You know, we have, we have stuff that we need to process and talk and, and, and finding the right people to be able to think about that. You know, there's, there's so many runs I've gone out on, you know, with a certain thought and then, you know, finished with a completely different one because there's been people to help you kind of work through all that. It's, it's, it's really quite special. Yeah. That's the powerful thing about that in-person opportunity. I mean, I don't think there's any other place 
in the world where you can interact device-free with people for that many hours, that much time, than on a long run. And I also like to say that there are no masks at 5.30 a.m. when you're running 20 miles, so you're also getting the purest, most authentic, rawest form of, of each other, which makes it even more powerful. So I'm glad that that could be a cathartic space. But take me back to the first time stepping in to the evening edition, showing up for the first time. I know James is particularly good about integrating people, but what, what were you feeling? What was that like? Man, um, well, that was back when Rogue had a, a bar. Um, so that felt, <laughs> that was great. Um, <laughs> You're like, that, this that is was, my jam. <laughs> right, yeah, I was like, oh man, like I don't even know. I had never actually been inside the, the Rogue uh, building before. Um, and so, you know, and even just, you know, that was again, the, the coffee shop and the Taco Deli tacos and whatnot in the morning. And so, um, you know, you're hitting on all my loves there. Um, I, you know, I said this kind of earlier, like, you know, James and, and, and Jacob really set the tone for the group. And I think, you know, again, the coaches, uh, you know, these, these groups are outgrowths of, of them personally and professionally. And, you know, and I've watched this for five years now, right. I've watched James welcome runners for, for five years now, you know, like what are you training for? What's your favorite color? Hopefully it's blue. Um, <laughs> There's a right answer and, on my team to that question. <laughs> and so, um, you know, and, 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 and in hindsight, right. He, he shows the same level of enthusiasm for every single person that walks in that door and, you know, but that same level of enthusiasm makes you feel like the most important person, you know, for that day and, 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 and all of that. And, and so the, the attention, um, that, you know, and, and the focus and the kind of like, you know, I'm here to help you. I'm, you know, a servant leadership is, is just has been super refreshing. And I think, you know, that translates to everybody else in that group. And, you know, the, the, evening edition group has gone through a lot of changes in these five years, right? I'm now the oldest runner in the group, um, at least the oldest regular runner in the group. And whereas I was still kind of on in, you know, in the, the older years, but there were other folks there. Um, and, you know, there's, so there's a sense of responsibility to kind of pay, pay it forward to, to what I got when I came aboard um, that I feel really deeply. Um, you know, assistant to the regional manager sort of uh, <laughs> approach. <laughs> I love that. But what were you expecting as far as like, if we go back to just like X's and O's, were you like, oh, this is this class my wife thinks I should do and I'll get like a 30 minute workout or what kind of what was the viewpoint coming in expectations wise and just with the X's and O's? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess in my head, I was just like, I was going to show up and and, you know, they're like, okay, well, what do you want to do? Just get out there and go start running, man. You know, like get out there and with a, like a kind of, not like in a, a bad way, like a, a boot to the butt and, and, and just go find some miles. Right. Um, I, I honestly didn't know, right. Cause Anna, you know, my wife was like, I think this is the community, right. And she felt that from, from rogue. And, and so in my, I think that there was skepticism, right. You know, like, again, you're coming from this team sport mentality to what feels like an individual sport. Um, and so I guess I would say that there's, you know, a level of skepticism that I would find, you know, both 
my footing, right. Again, my, you know, I'm, I'm a, a bigger guy and, um, you know, with some, some tough knees. And so I was kind of rolling the dice on, on giving this opportunity. So I, I came in with a healthy bit of skepticism, both for my ability to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish, which I think was just to get to, I guess, the starting line of 3M and then hopefully the finish line as well. Um, but I would say that, it, you know, it quickly went away. Um, you know, like I think we, I, I quickly felt that this was a place that was going to allow me to, to do more than just put one foot in front of the other. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I came in and I was super skeptical. I think, you know, people view running as this thing that, um, I mean, it's difficult, right? Like just being a, an athlete, right? I've never really considered myself an athlete. Chris, I've, you know, I, I know you you've been pretty successful on the soccer field, um, and whatnot, but, uh, I have not. <laughs> I wouldn't say that I'm. I've. 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 I always joke. I've been a, about as average of a, a basketball and, and and soccer player as 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 I possibly could be. And so, like excelling in something is not necessarily like something I walk into. Right? I don't walk in saying like, "Well, pff, I've, I've played soccer before," so and the, only the injury held me back. It was always like, "Yeah, you know, like you want me on my softball team, I can bat two hundred. You want me on your soccer team, I'll keep." the majority of the goals out <laughs> you want me on your basketball team actually you don't um you can <laughs> six three so um i think you know i didn't walk in with a lot of confidence that um that i would that i would i, I think i thought that i could do it i just didn't know the the how and again that's i think you know learning to run is just as much about finding the confidence to accomplish it as it is the, the, the physicalness to, to be able to get across to the finish line. And how did that confidence evolve over those first six months? You know, it's funny that, I mean, this sounds extraordinarily vain, but, um, I lost a fair amount of weight, um, pretty quickly, um, which I think was just a little bit surprising. Um, I started at Rogue at about 240 pounds. Um, like I said, I'm a bit of a long haul trucker, so I still am. Um, but I, I, so that was, I think that was surprising and that was a real confidence boost because I had, you know, for, for numerous years, um, you know, put on a lot of weight and felt uncomfortable and, and all that. I worked for a brewery for a while and that didn't help when I was <laughs> not moving around as much. Um, and so, you know, I think that was one of the first things that really was kind of like a a physical representation of progress. Um, you know, I think just even the idea of like learning like the right shoes to wear, or the right length shorts. Um, you know, I think my first pair was a little too long. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and we joke about another runner um, who had even longer ones. So I feel like I'm making progress there. Tommy short um, shorts. Yeah. I mean, if so, it works for Courtney Dewalter, it, it can work for anybody. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, it just, so, uh, you know, it was, it was a real confidence boost and, you know, to be able to, again, kind of, you know, just again, really vein, vein wise, like lose some weight, but then again, you lose some weight and you, you know, then surprisingly that reinforces your ability to kind of pick it up elsewhere. Um, and I even remember early on, just as a sidebar, I was talking to James and I was like, man, you know, Wednesdays and, and, and Saturdays are, are really tough. You know, like we do a workout on Wednesdays and then you go and do a long run on Saturdays. And I was like, this, this I'm getting beat up. 
And he's like, I know this is going to sound radical, but I think you need to run more. <laughs> um, and he's like, have you tried something called an easy run, right? Because really Wednesdays, you're running hard and, and, and Saturdays, you're running long. So where else in, you know, where, where are you kind to yourself in, in, in running? Um, and I, and I remember the, the introduction <laughs> of the easy run and that being a real radical shift to, um, building fitness. Um, and, and I think honestly, like being kind to myself in, in the process. The magic of those easy recovery runs. It's the glue mm-hmm. that holds it all together. It really is. In that first season, what, how many days were you running or how many days did you build to? Um, so, you know, it was for the first month or, or so it was, it was two, um, you know, again, we were, we were raising a, he was two. So I was getting some extra miles and chasing, chasing my son around. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I only got up to, to three, three days a week for that first half. Um, you know, but then it was, you know, by 2019 and then into 2020 when, we all had a little bit more flexibility, you know, it was four, four days a week, five days a week. If, if it felt like, uh, I needed to get out of the house and do something. So, you know, and that was, that was just kind of like, it just felt, it felt really comfortable to be able to get out there and, and, and put more miles on, um, both as a distraction, but also as something that it felt like success or, or at least, you know, the fitness and, and, and the enjoyment of running just kind of snowballed into the want to run more. Take us into that first half 3M, James paced you sub two. I mean, that's a great result, right? How did that feel? What was that finish line experience like? Um, it was incredible. I mean, I, I think I realized running was a real social sport when I saw how easy it was for James to talk to the dozens of folks that he saw along the course, right? I was like, this. first off, the idea of being able to talk and run at the same time was a real foreign concept to me, um, which I think, is, I think is the real sign of my fitness. I've, I've joked a couple of times now that I probably would have qualified for Boston by now if I could just stop talking and just take that energy and, and put it into my running. Um, but you know, I think, you know, I think a lot of folks get to the end of their first race and, and, and there's two sometimes competing ideas. Like I never want to do this again, or, or when do we go next? Right. Um, and you know, just getting to the finish line, I really didn't know what I wanted to do next. I just knew that I wanted to keep running. Um, and I actually did another half that was really rough. I uh, went out to hill country and, and just got absolutely clobbered um, a couple of months later. So that was interesting to have what such a euphoria of finishing my first half and, and, you know, getting to the finish line of what was the original objective when I joined rogue, you know, September to, to January. And then a couple of months later, really pretty early feel the, the agony of defeat. Um, but I think both of them left me thinking that there was, there was more, there was more that my body had to give. Right. And there was, there was more for me to accomplish. You know, um, I didn't jump into marathon training right away. I know some people are like, well, I've done a half, you know, what does times two look like? I kind of wanted to, I spent a lot of time. I said this, like, I really wanted to fall in love with running after that first half. 
right? Like I did the work, but now I wanted to kind of like love the work. And it, it took, it took the, all the way through the pandemic for me to really create a strong affinity for running. Um, and I think again, like that was fueled a lot by the folks that we could find, um, you know, doing the, 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 the backdoor jog and dip during the pandemic <laughs> on the other side. And, and, you know, I think James, you and I were probably doing that four mile route, what, two or three times a week Anytime when you came back, did, I think. Yeah. 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 It was just, we, I was, I mean, that was, that was a, you know, just as a quick aside, I know you were talking about my first half, but just like the idea of how much I craved, you know, I think we all did seeing people, but like seeing people like at this point, the weird, the ironic thing is, is that, for someone who is so afraid of being alone with running it, it during those uh, two years or so year and a half that we were kind of all separated, it really was the only place that I saw people. Right. Um, and I think it just, they became symbiotic, you know, running and, 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 and being with people and community. I think it's interesting that you talk about the idea of falling in love with running itself and that taking time. I, highly relate to that. It took me probably four or five years to actually enjoy the activity of running after I started. So what, what for you did that look like? How did it evolve to that point of saying, Hey, I actually enjoy just doing this for the sake of doing it. Um, I mean, <laughs> Dodds always jokes about this, but I had the, I had the longest um, commute to the jog and dip of, of anybody. So we run the Friday. I'm sure James has talked about it quite extensively on the podcast, but at four miles around Barton Springs in a swim, um, I live out in, in Mainer. Um, it's about a 25 minute drive um, for a four minute or a four mile run. Um, <laughs> so I have a longer commute than the, the run itself. Um, and then I do the same thing down to Saturday, but the, the runs are longer, but I think, um, when running becomes routine, that's, that's a part of my love language. Um, you know, I, I, I'm both uh, pretty gregarious and whatnot, but I also am someone who, who craves regularity and predictability. Um, I like to plan ahead. And so I think when it be kind of came this, like, especially during marathon training, right. It's, it's on the spreadsheet, it gets done. Right. And, and I think, there's just a real no excuses sort of this is a part of my life now, which means then it, it's love, right? When it's, when it is a, well, you know, it's, it's time for the 22, right? I, I spent the last week in, um, on vacation with my family in, in Yellowstone and, and we got home at about 1030 at night on um, Saturday and Sunday morning, I was out getting my long run done, you know, like there's just, that's love. <laughs> <laughs> you know, checking the boxes and, and, and making it a part of your life. And, and then also the other people in your life being able to, you know, my, my wife is very uh, accommodating of that, of that schedule. Um, and so that's, that's really, I think a, a big part of, of what, how I know I'm in love with running because it, it's just an automatic part of, of what I do. It's also a testament to the fact that, Motivation and desire follows action. You know, sometimes we have, we want to do something before we do it. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. And I think with running, whether it be, you think about it on a macro level, like you're talking about, or even on a micro level, where people say, I don't want to run today. I'm just not into it. 
if you actually just do it, <laughs> then you get into it and you're like, oh, actually I'm enjoying it. I mean, I think about it this morning. I didn't really want to go run at 7 a.m., but I did. And of course the temperatures made it actually perfect today, but motivation follows action and that's true in running, but it's also true in other things. So let's get to what was next. Obviously you did that second half, didn't go as well. That was early 2019. You had a year before the pandemic kicked in where we got racing, take, racing taken away from us. What did you do in that year? Yeah. Um, so right before the pandemic, I, um, well, I did two more halves. I did, uh, the Richmond fall, um, a fall half, um, and a PR there. So I got back on the horse, um, the 147. And then I did 3M again before, um, or the world shut down and I PR'd again. Um, it was a 144. So I was feeling, I had some, I had a nice wind at my back. Um, and you know, then it was just, you know, you just, you just went out, right. You just went out because you didn't have anything to do. And I think a lot of people faced a really tough choice, right? Like what's like, why run if there are no races, right. Or, you know, just get out and, you know, JFR, right. Um, get out there and, and, and do something, do something with yourself. Cause I think for me, I knew what, my body and my mind would be like if I didn't run, right? I'd already been there before. I'd been through those dark places. I had, I had, you know, gotten to a place where I knew that this was something that I needed mentally and physically. Um, and so I just, I signed up for a lot of those virtual races. I think like a lot of people did. I didn't, I wouldn't say that the races themselves were the most, like I needed them, but they were, they were nice. I also, I'm a knickknack collector. So all of the t-shirts and, and dumb medals that they gave out for that, you know, like, um, where they felt like little badges that I, you know, or little treats. Um, but I also took up trail running. Um, and that was, that was super fun. Um, that was really neat. Cause again, as someone with, uh, well, I don't have an ACL in my left knee hardly at all. Um, so that was a bit dangerous. Um, I, again, I'm not a big risk taker, but trail running felt like that. Um, and I got a lot of enjoyment out of that. Um, I, it really, really was, you know, I've lived in Austin for 15 years now, and I don't think that I really enjoyed Austin until I had to run the streets of it. Um, and um, which I know is probably a shocking thing to say for, for people who, who love Austin, but I just, I didn't understand the city and now I do. And now I actually know where Terrytown is and, and <laughs> whatnot. But, um, you know, I think trail running was interesting too, because again, I like kind of enjoyed camping and, and liked being outdoors, but I don't think I fell in love with outdoors until I attached it to, to running. Um, and so trail running was a, a big piece of that and like the rogue trail series and, um, there was a sky Island. They moved to McKinney roughs. I did that. Um, and that was really exciting because I think it felt like it was a different dimension because I wasn't quite ready to jump into the marathon pool yet. Right. And there weren't even marathons to run. Um, but trail running felt like I'd found a cheat code to running. Um, some of the trail races actually, when the, when things started opening up again, they like allowed them to happen because there weren't 10,000 people, 20,000 people, you know, you could get a couple hundred people and we'd all get lost in the woods and there wasn't that risk or whatever. Um, so that felt like a way to really access 
I think a, a stronger challenge than just road running. And you were doing 30 K you were doing the 30 K series. And so it's right. not like, um, you know, you were on your feet for quite a while and he, right. he carried this lead a little bit, but when he said he was doing the work, he, Dan ran multiple 20 milers. <laughs> he was doing, I, you know, I don't want to rush to the marathon story, but he was, he was putting in more miles than some of our marathon runners. And then, but meanwhile, they were talking trash like, oh, you only do halves. And by no means am I saying, quote, someone only does halves. This is the, the narrative that was floating where guys are just picking at each other. And um, yeah, you were putting in 20 mile long runs, 18 mile long runs, running the 30K trail series, which is 18.6 miles. But given that it's trail, you're out there on your feet for longer than like a road 20 miler. Yeah, I was, I mean, I was essentially doing everything but a marathon. And, and, and again, like there just weren't any, you know, at that point, but I, I did come out of the pandemic knowing I was ready to, to put in that work. Um, you know, that there was, there was another thing there for me to, to kind of go after. So tell us about it. What was the first, <laughs> what was the first marathon? So I did Houston, um, you know, keep it, keep it local, keep it nearby. So, um, and, and a bunch of us did Houston, um, the, so that would have been 2022, Houston, 2022. Um, and so like a lot of folks in, I mean, again, it's for, for us here in Austin, right. It's, it's right down the road. It's, it's flat. Um, it's relatively quick. And, um, you know, that was, you know, it was a real serious talk with James. Cause he was like, you know, you've, you know, you've got your kid and you've got your job and, and you're focused on making sure you keep this one um, and all of that. And, you know, like this is going to ask a lot of you, right. It's going to ask more of you and time and, and energy and, and all of that than, than you've ever done before. So, you know, five days a week of running the, the, you know, I think the toughest part is getting used to that, you know, that Saturday long run and flip it around for a MLR, which apparently refers to the medium long run and not the Monday long run, <laughs> as I thought. Um, but uh, so it, and it was just an incredible experience. You know, I was I was lucky enough to have so many folks in our Wednesday group pushing towards Houston, you know, that felt like I wasn't doing it alone. I didn't, it felt like I wasn't doing my you know, I was doing my first marathon, but I wasn't the only marathoner. Um, and, and then, um, you know, I came out and, and, and debuted with, a a three thirty seven. Um, so I was, I, I felt pretty good about that. Um, and, and it just really had kind of shown, you know, the, it's funny too. Cause like then, you know, we did Houston 2023 and there were a few less folks doing that. And, you know, I ran Houston 2022 with, with two friends, like, and they kind of just were the pacers and the timekeepers and, and, and the encouragement and all of that. Um, so it was nice to kind of have some folks kind of guiding you by the elbows, but, um, you know, in 2023, I ran it all by myself. Right. And I think that's been a really interesting thing. I trained a lot by myself for the second one. Um, the first one was a lot more community-based. The second one was a lot more, um, solo miles, um, you know, and, and learning to be able to succeed when, when you're, when you're by yourself is I think a, another big test, right. To go from thinking you were alone and then having the community to support you. And then the times where you actually have to, you're in your own training cycle or in your own race, be comfortable with being alone, I think is a huge growth, right. The thing that I feared the most actually comes true 
And yet now I'm not afraid of it. How did, how did the 23 race go? Um, so, you know, it was crazy. The 2022, we had those, those gorgeous 35 degrees, um, at the start. Um, and it just, just, I, that one just flew by. Um, but then 2023 was, I think what, 55 degrees at the start. So it's quite, quite the contrast and it finished. It warmed up. It warmed up. Yeah. And it warmed up real quick. And it was, I remember we were, you know, I had eyeballed a 330, so a seven-minute PR, and um, Dodds said, I, you know, the night before, he's like, this is going to be hard for a lot of people in this room to hear because we had a little um, – we had a team dinner, and he's like, but I need everybody to start thinking about adjusting your paces by at least five minutes, right? Like, yeah, I know you all have had a number in your head, right? And he's like, and I know we love chasing those numbers and those times. And he's like, but you, you need to be safe right? You need to continue to push yourself and ask yourself, but, you know, hopefully that five minutes still gets you the PR. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I adjusted and, um, my watch actually didn't work that race. So there was a lot of field base running. Um, and I ended up with a three thirty two. Um, so I, I cut five minutes off and, you know, James has said that he thinks it would probably have been a, a three twenty eight, which is, uh, you know, on, on a good day or whatever. Um, so, you know, it was tough though, you know, again, like you, you're running by yourself, you're doing those rolling hills in the final kind of six miles or whatever. Um, it was, it, it was, it was a slog. Um, I'm glad I adjusted. <laughs> I'm glad I listened to my coach. <laughs> yeah. He also, I was at mile 26. Like I was as far as I could be. And he came by though, just screaming, racing, like big smile. Big high five and gone. Like I saw him a second. That was it. You were closing. I, I was, I was, yeah, I was in, I was in another place for that, that final mile. I didn't, I didn't hear my, my wife or really anybody. Apparently there were several people that shouted my name, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, but yeah, now, um, now I'm on to Philly. I've got Philly in uh, about a, a month and a week. So this will be uh my third marathon and, and the second one in, of, of 2023. And I'll tell you what, um, you know, <laughs> each marathon has gotten a little lonelier, <laughs> uh, the training block. Um, I've, I've been lucky enough to catch some long runs with some really great people, but, um, you know, this is definitely the, the, the loneliest of, of the training blocks that I've done now, but, uh, and it's, and it's been hard. <laughs> Take us back to the first marathon sure. quickly. What was that finish line like? Especially when I'm sure you reflected on how far you had come at that point. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy because it's like the pace that I was running for a full, right. Was infinitely quicker than what I had done my first half at, Right. And I think, you know, even just looking at this training block now and, and what I'm, what I'm trying to do, it's just like, it seems really incomprehensible that you can go from running a pace for a half and then take that and, 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 and build yourself to that. That's now your, your full pace. Right. Um, that just kind of continues to blow my mind as to how the body can continue to grow and learn and, and push and, 
and what seemingly felt like limits five years ago, right? Or, or the, the limit is, is merely a, a bus stop <laughs> along the way. Um, I mean, I felt incredible. I felt like I had a lot left in the tank. Um, after the first one, right? The last 10 K was, was, you know, I, I remember it's like one of those things where you're like, Oh, well, if you don't feel tired at the end, you didn't run hard enough. And, and I remember telling myself I had a very specific goal and a very specific pace. And I wanted to, again, much like I did with the half is I didn't want to hate the marathon, right? I wanted to run my first marathon and know I could do it and accomplish it and come away with an affection for that race versus doing something dumb or crazy or overly ambitious, blowing up and then being like, well, I've been doing this for five years and now I, I just went and messed up, you know, this distance. Um, and so I was happy to be able to walk <laughs> literally off the course. Um, and, 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 and again, that I think the motivation was then to come back the next year and say, okay, well, you know, you had something left last year what would it look like um, if you had less left the next time around? And, and certainly the heat <laughs> answered part of that equation for me. Um, but it was, you know, it, it was super satisfying. It, it was, it was more satisfying than the half. Um, just, just because, you know, it's twice the distance and it's kind of the, the gold standard of running. It feels like to finally, and, you know, as, as James joked before, finally put to rest all of the bullies in evening edition. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, you know, to, to do that, right? Um, but then to come away with knowing that there was actually a lot more strength inside of me, right? I think that was, I think, the biggest confidence boost. Um, my, um, I ran with one of my closest friends who I grew up in in Wisconsin with um, him and his girlfriend ran the race with me. And I always looked up to him as a really strong runner. And, and to be fair, he had run a full marathon a, a couple of months earlier. Um, but I, I absolutely kicked his tail at the end of the first Houston. Um, I ran off with his girlfriend um, quite literally. <laughs> and, um, and, and we, and so it was, it was satisfying. Um, and we're running Philly together again, and hopefully he doesn't have revenge because I need him to pace me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was, it was extraordinarily satisfying. And again, like that love and appreciation is so important to me, right? Like to bake that in, um, it's, it's a huge part of my motivation. So now you're gearing up for Philly. What's the goal? The goal is, um, well, it's kind of all over the, I mean, it's not all over the place, but there's a window. I think we're looking at about a 325. James, is that what we said? 320 to 325. We, we stayed true to that, that data point. We did the math. We like, um, Chris, I got it from you. It's like, I waited to hear from you. And then I gave the, the numbers to my team and it's, um, I still stand by it. Those that PR'd, I was like, you know, I know what it means to you to have the uh, number on the clock, very much so. But as far as training paces were concerned, we operated with 328 going forward and then set goals from there. It was like, um, I, you know, it was like, I still want you to have your experience of quote 328, but like you're in 328 shape, you recover, we hit the next training cycle using those training paces. No, like no emotion about it. Like that's, that's your, tr he earned that training pace. For yeah. sure. So. 
So yeah, so we're looking at a, a three twenty five. Um, is it's kind of where we're netting out and what I've been training at. Um, this is my first summer block. Um, so <laughs> trying to trying to figure out what is and what isn't possible. Um, you know, when when the the weather is literally. The, as oppressive as it is here is um has been really humbling uh, i think this is this has been you know this has been a i think every summer runner can tell you this right you know or whatnot and so i think there's a real uh humbling to this i mean i again my 22 yesterday was even though it was 55 at the start i got a late start it was 75 at the finish um and those those last six miles were some of the hardest and you know, James has been around for a lot of the ends of, of my runs, including my 20 um, with that really mean workout that y'all put in the other day with the five K's on and off and all that. And so I've been humbled quite a bit recently. He's, re he's um, referring which... to the McClung special, by the way, he got a taste of that two weeks ago, Chris, <laughs> of your, of your magic. Yeah. I want I, and I saw, I saw, I saw Chris on that, uh, on that run, he was working the water stops and, you know, I was, I was really kind to you, but I'll tell you what, there were some very unkind words in my head when I, when I saw you there. Um, <laughs> um, surely we've all cursed your name before, whether it be the lucky McClung or, or anything else. Um, but, um, yeah, it's been a real humbling cycle. And, and, you know, my wife joked, she's like, I'm really glad you guys are doing, you're doing the podcast today because I think you could use a little therapy. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it, I have had this little, these elements of doubt creep into me about whether or not what I've set out to do is, is possible. Right. You know, I'm 41 now. And like I said, I'm kind of a long haul trucker and, um, the paces that I want right now, um, you know, they, they seem ambitious, they seem realistic and ambitious at the same time. Um, James has done a good job of, again, using the science to kind of set something right. I'm not a, not a Boston guy, <laughs> even if I stop talking, let's be honest. Um, but uh, I think it's, it's, it certainly has after yesterday kind of made me wanted it, wanted as bad as I've ever wanted it, but also worried that, you know, unless I get a 35 degree day again, you know, if, if this is what I'm, if I'm, if I'm capable of it. So Hold on, you said you're not a Boston guy? Yeah. What I knew Chris was going to let you get away with that. <laughs> He's not going to let you get away with that. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Are you referring to someone who's incapable of qualifying for the Boston Marathon? Is that what you're yeah. referring to? Did, did, I, did, I, um, did I send up a, a flare there? Because I, I have a feeling you can say anybody's <laughs> capable of it. So. I mean, you know what happens in probably two and a half years for you, yeah. right? You know, what yeah. Happens? I mean, the, the your standard becomes three twenty. Yeah, forty five to forty nine is three twenty. Yeah. You're already talking about three twenty to three twenty five now. So to outright say you're not a Boston guy is pretty absurd, frankly, because you're going to have two and a half years of work to get even further. Than yeah. I think, I mean, I, I kind of say that, I say that jokingly. I also said I wasn't a marathoner. Um, 
<laughs> so, um, you know, nobody, nobody loves to sandbag himself more than, than I do. Um, but, and I, and I mean that kind of facetiously, but like, you know, I, I guess when I say I'm not a Boston guy or I'm not a marathoner, or maybe I'm not even a 755 or whatever, I think the pace breaks down too, um, for Philly is I think part of it is just like kind of trying to protect myself. Right. I, I, I really want to stay here. Right. And in this moment. Um, so it doesn't do me a whole lot to think, well, heck, you know, like Boston. And again, I've joked with my wife, like Boston by 55, um, <laughs> it's more of a, you know, and, but I think the reality is, is like, I, 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 despite the moment being uncomfortable, particularly right now in this Philly training block, um, I, I'd much rather stay here, um, and do that than, than think about any sort of the other ones like that. So, um, yeah. Well, that's being present is fine. <laughs> but even jokingly saying something's not possible is a way of programming your brain to believe sure. it. And so words matter. And I'm not going to let you get away with casual comments <laughs> like that because look, you don't have to want to go to Boston. Nobody does. That is a worthy goal, but it is not a goal you have to have. But to say you can't do it, I'm not going to allow that because you absolutely can hundred percent. I mean, it's just a matter of continuing to do the work and continuing to see the progress you're seeing. And so if that's something you want, then absolutely we can get it, but we need to make sure that we don't put the seeds of doubt in our own brain. From your lips to my ears. <laughs> but no, it's no, true. I, 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 yeah, I understand. I understand the self-deprecation and the humor of it. I get that. But that, but those are real mm -hmm. words that are, like, at some level, believed inside your brain, even if it's subconscious. And part of getting the best of yourself is programming your brain the other direction. Yeah. So James and I have talked about this quite a bit where I feel like one of my, my greatest impediments really is the, the mental fortitude, right? I think, um, you know, a couple weeks ago, there was a particularly gnarly, well, they've all been gnarly. <laughs> There's hasn't been one that hasn't been, but, um, you know, I think, I think I'm in a better physical shape than I've ever been. And yet, you know, you're still fighting a lot of the thoughts, right? And this is not a uncommon thing for any runner, but the, the, is your brain telling you not to push harder because, you know, you just don't want to put yourself into any sort of space and not physical pain or anything, but to really push yourself. And I think, you know, again, the self-deprecating or, you know, building these sort of uh, artificial barriers in our heads of, of speed or, or, or races or whatever is I think one of my bigger challenges. And I think the biggest challenge that I've faced in, in this cycle in particular, right. Again, I don't, I knew when I headed into my first marathon that, you know, there was no, well, man, I hope I, I hope I finish. Right. Like I knew I was going to finish. Right. I had no doubt about that. I had the physical ability to do it. And then, the second one was like, well, yeah, you've been here before and you've trained through this. So like there was a lot less unpredictability. And, and I also really felt comfortable that I could beat my time, you know, from the first Houston, but 
um, you know, this, this second marathon cycle this year, plus the summer, um, I think has been the more mentally challenging than it has been physically. And, and that's where I think my biggest worry comes in is whether or not I have the, the mental fortitude to, to accomplish what I want to, I think for the most part, physically I could do it, but whether or not I'm willing to get uncomfortable <laughs> is, is where I think my head is stuck at and, and where we can kick off this therapy session. All right. James and I don't provide therapy. We provide coaching, but that's a perfect segue to talk about my sponsorship with better help. Do you ever find yourself trying to fall asleep or perhaps get on task with work and you just can't stop thinking about a thing that you're dealing with or a challenge in your life? Well, it turns out one great way to work through those thoughts and anxieties and fears that might come in any situation is through therapy. Therapy gives you a place to talk through it and to get you out of those negative thought cycles so that you can find some mental and emotional peace. Personally, I've benefited from therapy a couple of times in my life when dealing with challenging situations where I was having similar racing thoughts. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, I would encourage you to give BetterHelp a try. It's the largest online therapy provider. They are designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You can literally do therapy from the comfort of your own home via a video screen interaction with the therapist. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists at any time, but you will get that help you need. So get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash running rogue today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash running rogue. Again, that's 10% off your first month. Go check it out. Okay, let's get back to our conversation with Dan. Here we go. Chris, before you take him through therapy, I want to add just for context because he mentioned the physical. It's like this is someone running 14-mile medium long runs on a Monday, 10 miles with his quality on Wednesdays, and did the McClung special two weeks ago um, at, I think, finishing in like the high 80s and, and also the dew point or uh, humidity in the high 80s. Um, goes to Yellowstone last week with families hiking and then, you know, gets home and, and knocks down 22 miles yesterday before jumping on today. So it's like by no means unwilling to do, quote, the work. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing to point to here, right? It, <clears throat> you see you see, and experience uncertainty and doubt around your mental fortitude. I only see strength. And again, I don't, you know, I'm not your coach. I don't know you as well, but I, I saw you at the end of Houston in 23. I was, you know, in the final mile and a half through there and that was a brutal day, but you ran amazingly. You were like so focused and deliberate about that finish on a really tough day. And so, as you said, you were so focused in how strong you're finishing. You weren't even hearing your own name. And so that's evidence of the mental fortitude you can bring to a race. The work you're willing to do is further evidence in in these workouts and in the miles. So I understand the uncertainty that a warm summer can bring because you don't get clear indicators of fitness mm -hmm. like you do in cooler months. But the indicators are there. You just have to look for them. 
And, you know, and so I would say part of what you need to do is just own your strength. It's not about do I have it or do I not have it? It's actually already there. You have evidence of it. It's just a matter of owning that. I will. <laughs> no, I mean, no. I, yeah. <laughs> what makes I mean, you hesitate? Again, what, what, what makes you pause? And, um... uh, you know, it's, you know, God's, uh, you and I are, are similar folks and, I find it quite shocking that you've actually spoken the least of the, the three of us here today. I appreciate you giving, <laughs> I know longtime listeners will probably think, well, James is on and, and the combination between the two of us would have been real trouble. But, um, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't do well with compliments, um, you know, and I've gotten quite a few of them from James over the years and, and, and hearing that from you, Chris, is it, it really means a lot because um, I obviously have a, a lot of respect for you and, uh, and everything that's been built here. But, um, I don't know. You know, I think it's, I think it's just tough. I think it's, I think even to this day for as everything that I have accomplished, um, just as, you know, a, 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 someone who puts in the work and, and gets the things done. Um, it, I think it's tough sometimes to come away and, and be proud. Um, I'm not like a, a boastful person. And so I think sometimes when other, even when people are, objectively paying me compliments or, 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 uh, complimenting my progress. It's, it's hard to realize sometimes that I'm here. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it, I'm, I'm very well aware of, you know, between the, the times getting better and the weight loss and the general benefits of having become a, a someone who truly really loves the, the sport of running. I think it's still, it still feels surprising. Um, it still feels success still feels surprising to me. Um, and not that it's not unearned. Like I know I've earned it. I know I've put in the time, but I think, um, for a lot of things, it's just, I don't know. I, I almost feel like it, like it, they should go to somebody else. I don't know why it's, 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 well, there's just so many people doing, yeah, there's so many people doing so many good things out there. Um, I get it. Yeah. I get it. But you are one of them, right? I mean, you can elevate others and elevate yourself in that dialogue. And one of the things I tell my athletes all the time is that if you're looking for inspiration, look no further than your teammates. Because truly, regardless of the person or, or the, you know, I have, I could tell a story about every single person that I coach that would inspire mm-hmm. others. And that's front of the back, pack, back of the pack, middle of the pack, all over the pack, all sorts of starting points, all sorts of accomplishments encompassed there. But there's inspiration we had across all of those stories. And you see it. I know you see it. You're inspired by your teammates. They're inspired by you. And so it's about just stepping into that and recognizing that you are, you, you have some done things to be proud of and you've done things to inspire others. So it's time to start believing a different narrative because you started this conversation telling me you're average at soccer and average at basketball and you're average at everything. And I don't know about your soccer ability, but it doesn't matter. You've created this narrative in your head that you're average yeah. guy. 
And what the running is showing us is that you're not in fact average. That, I mean, in, in the, one of the reasons why we attach to those things is because it's familiar, just like the body seeks homeostasis. Psychologically, we seek some, some, some sense of fulfill, familiarity. Like you ask, like, why would someone in abusive relationships ever get into abusive relationships again? And it's largely because that's, they know that they know that better than any other disposition or mindset. And so um, I have a lot of conversations with private athletes, one-to-one athletes, and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you. And I think like this year being a solo training um, season, uh, it's like, you know, Chris said, look no further than your teammates. And, and, and I'll add to look no further than yourself, not because I'm trying to quote, create narcissist and make you guys egotistical, but also like you got to, when he says own and internalize, that's what I think that this, that's what it looks like to be like, no. Like there is empirical evidence pointing to the fact that I did this, therefore I can do that. And it's like not becoming egotistical um, by being boastful, but neither becoming egotistical by constant self-deprecation. Like, like to oversell yourself and to undersell sell yourselves are both forms of the ego and attachment to a sense of familiarity, a mindset that we've grown comfortable in. Um, and I would say like, that's why I always try to point to the training itself because- you're freaking doing it and you're doing it alone. And I know you mentioned there's been some ebbs and flows and changes with the group. And we, you know, I know one of the alphas you were often able to look up to was B Ward. He's like a 245 guy crushing big mileage and everything. And it's like, now you're the guy putting up the big miles that, you know, I bring in new people and they feel these intimidating feelings of like, oh my God, I can never do 14 mile medium long runs, et cetera. And it's like, well, you don't know where Dan started, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the highest compliments I got was I was running with Campbell um, recently and he was like, man, I remember when I first started running with B-Ward and I was like, wait, does that make me Campbell? And now he's B-Ward, even though we're, I'm actually <laughs> older than him. And that if you know any of those runners, they're they're both uh, they're both bossy qualifiers, which I am not um, and never will be, Chris. No, just kidding. Um but, you know, to just, you know, to, to run side saddle with a, with a guy like Campbell, who then, of course, was step for step with, with Brian. Um, and that has been one of the enjoyable pieces. And, and I know Campbell has gone easy on me um, a couple of times out there. But, you know, he's a dad now, too. So that means he's lost a step. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, you know, that's actually been one of the real enjoyable pieces of, of this training cycle is to run with people that you have a lot of respect with and, and look forward to. And, you know, I, and I do take, I do take that. I think if there's one thing I can be kinder to myself is, is that there are a lot of new folks and even some folks that are, are faster than me because it's, you know, we all go our own paces, but to be able to encourage them and, and, and let them know that a lot of things are possible when they're just getting started that, I mean, that, that, that part I can own a little bit better um, to be the good teammate and, you know, we always say this to my son is like, think about how you talk to a friend and talk to yourself that way. I could probably use that lesson from time to time. Well, absolutely. You, you do need to actually start complimenting yourself. I mean, it's, it's a real thing. Positive affirmations. I mean, as cheesy as it sounds, your homework is to actually write a list of them. Things that Dan does well things that Dan is capable of and to start saying to saying it to yourself every day and post it in a prominent place. So you see it all the time because it matters. 
what we tell ourselves and what we believe in our brain consciously and subconsciously affects our ability to perform. So we have to do a little reprogramming. Yeah. And I mean, and obviously like, you know, the story that we, you know, a lot of folks, whether it be running or, or work or relationships or whatever, right. You know, we, I, I don't think anybody's harder on ourselves than our, I think our inner monologues, right. You know, they're, and, and they're usually not us anyways. And so I think, you know, again, between professional and, and, and running and personal success, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm telling myself the wrong story. I think, you know, whether it be the times yeah. or, you know, the work or, you know, the, the, all of that sort of stuff. I know I'm telling myself an inaccurate story. Yeah. So we need the positive self-talk to change that narrative. And then I also think there's just tactical things about, okay, what happens when I go to these thoughts? Because look, having the thoughts are normal. You're going to continue to have them. Doubts will come and go. That's a part of being human. And I always remind people not to beat yourself up about that part because that's just normal. But then the question is, what do you do when those thoughts come? So having tactics to deflect or to refocus your energy to something that is constructive and positive is what you need to start to practice. And so in this case, relative to Philly, when you have those thoughts of doubt or uncertainty about, well, can I run this pace for that long? Then I would say one, go to your training because all the work you've done in these oppressive summer temperatures it has you more prepared than 99% of the people that will be on that start line. So you can lean into that and then, and then you can lean into execution and planning and what do I need to do mile by mile and what does the course look like knowing it so that you can take all of that energy and refocus it on something productive. Because what is on the table in front of you is not anything more than you've been trained to do right? What does the race require? The race requires exactly the work that you've been doing. And all you have to do is go do it. And I like to remind people, you can't run the race all at once, right? We always want to think about how we're going to feel and respond at mile 21 or 24 or 25. And certainly we should build our toolkit to be ready. But all you got to do is go run one mile. That is literally all that's being asked of you when that start line or when you hit that start line and when that gun goes off is just run one mile and you know, you can run one mile at those paces. You know, you can run two, you know, you can run 10. You don't have to worry about the rest. The rest will be taken care of because you're prepared. Yeah. So refocus on the positive energy and, you know, when in doubt, if, if you have nothing else to do, just visualize yourself having success on race day because science tells us that neuromuscularly that actually has similar effect on our bodies and brains as if we're actually doing it. So we'll pause on Philly for a second. I want to go to the long-term goal discussion. Yeah. Now we mentioned Boston. You joked again that you're not going to ever get there. I let that one slide. That was a, that was a setup. Doing that was a that. setup for you. <laughs> I believe <laughs> but you know Boston or not thinking beyond Philly and without other timelines 
you know, if you, what's the biggest dream you have in this sport? You know, it's honestly the same, the same dream that motivated me at the start of this journey still motivates me now. It, and you know, it's one of the reasons why I didn't even feel all that compelled to jump into the marathon to begin with is it, it's really, it's long-term health. I mean, for someone who was, had put on some weight, um, you know, I, can hike forever. I can run for as long as I want. I, for the time being, until he gets a little bit older or whatever, I can, you know, I can keep up with my kid. Um, but I want to age gracefully. Um, I really do, you know, and, and again, for someone who always teetered on, you know, just being just healthy enough, right. To, for it to not feel like it was impactful to, what I need to do with my life, you know, moving into my forties and fifties and whatever, like I saw all these people backpacking around Yellowstone that were much older than me and, and, and living a a fulfilled and and healthy lifestyle. And so, you know, even if Philly was my last race, like what, what I really want is is I want to know that at any moment in any time I can go run 10 miles or 12 miles or, you know, hike with my family, you know, to the, to the top of, you know, whatever. Um, and that's, that's what keeps me moving in a variety of ways, because it's, it's more the the holistic health that I think is, is, has been really motivating for me. Um, all of the races have been nice cherries on the top and, and confetti and, and all that sort of stuff. And I think sometimes that's where, honestly, I let myself off the hook mentally with a lot of the hard work. It's like, I'm healthy, right? Like if I'm running 30, 40, 50 miles a week, I am, I am infinitely more healthy than a lot of folks. And I'm setting myself up for a long-term thing. Sometimes I think honestly, that cuts into my competitive edge because I know that I've built really good habits. I eat better. I drink less, way less this, this cycle than, than ever before. Um, and, and, and I, and I live a life where my heart isn't going crazy. Um, you know, uh, James is always commenting on my heart rate on the runs lately. Um, and so I think that's sometimes I, I don't have that same edge because I feel like I'm already so set on what the larger goal is, which is a happy and, and fulfilling and, and healthy lifestyle. Um, I mean, what's next? I don't know, James, what should I do next? <laughs> well, I think I'm going to keep it with Chris. Hold on, yeah. hold on, hold on, hold on. He's... <laughs> we can't... Look. Longevity, health, great goals. Great goals. <laughs> Love those goals. But it's also deflection and fear talking, <laughs> ultimately. By pointing to those things, it truly is. Because look, we don't do 22-mile runs for longevity and health. We just don't. We don't run 14-mile medium-long runs for longevity and health. We just don't. We don't do the McClung Special for longevity and health. <laughs> We just don't. There's different pathways, probably more constructive pathways for longevity and health than doing those things. So it tells me that there is more to it than just that. It's a great side benefit, certainly. But I I just think you're deflecting again away from the things in your head that you're unwilling to say out loud. Yeah, I mean... Man, I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't come on to this podcast to be a, te- no, I'm kidding. Uh, 
He wanted it's therapy, great. not challenge. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. Come no, on. Real quick, no, real quick, Dan, um, I believe your your overarching story, the chapter of your life book, we we're with you. Beautiful. Now, the chapter within that book of running, it's we know you want something there. And what are you trying to write in that chapter? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I for me, I I do. I do like grabbing the next thing, you know, it was loving something and, 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 and growing and, and being challenged, you know, like running a second marathon. I mean, I know most of the work with, for Houston was done in, in 2022, but like to run a second marathon here is, um, you know, has been a tough work and through the summer. And I think if I did another summer training cycle, I'd feel even better for it. I mean, yeah, Chris, you're right. I mean, I, I would be lying to you if I didn't say that, the 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 fame and fortune of running boston doesn't seem sexy to me um i mean i did buy myself a pair of boston adidas shorts on clearance the other day with a leftover gift card i had so you know like guilty as charged um i don't know i mean i think that just seems really neat i think i i think continuing to improve on these times i i am hungry you know and if you if you ask the most carnal version of dan Worsima, which doesn't come out very often is, is that yeah like i just i have an energy about me and a want not necessarily like i mean and i would say a, a very like uh, a competitive side, you know, I joked before I was a goalie, right? You know, like every goalie, if you've ever known is they're they're not normal people. <laughs> I like to pretend that I'm hiding in the back of the goal, but there's something about being the late game hero, right? Um, or the big save guy when, you know, yeah, goals are, you know, are great in soccer, but so are saving them. So like, it's not as though, and you know, it took how long on this podcast to get there. But yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of things I still want. Um, you know, I think that there's still a lot of things I have to prove. I want to, you know, when I say age gracefully, but I, I do, you know, like we talked about Brian Ward being our, our poster boy. I'm not, I'm. <laughs> All right. We're going to stop you there. <laughs> because Somewhere in there was a confession. Yeah, no, for sure. That we finally got, we finally got the confession. <laughs> which is that you want something more than just longevity and health, which it's okay to want those things too. So I'm going to stop you there and ask you specifically related to Boston. Again, PSA, you don't have to want Boston. That is okay if you don't, but it's also a worthy goal if you do want it. And it's a powerful experience that many find joy in achieving. So if that's what you want, why? What would that represent to you? Um, it feels like the runner's race, right? You know, like there's so much made around. And not that there aren't other beautiful and scenic and, and challenging um, marathons out there. But that somehow in my head, in like this, like, that's where runners run. That's, you know, or that's what where, and again, not everyone needs to go there. And that doesn't need to be their race. But that just feels like running that makes makes me feel like the realest runner um i don't know it just it 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 yeah i don't know it, 
that just feels like that would be a real stamp on, on again, not that I'm not a real runner already, right. And running plenty of other races makes me one and putting one foot in front of the other makes you a runner, whether you're doing one mile or, or 50 miles or wherever you're doing it. But that, you know, and maybe that's just like a weird, like chasing the Instagram lifestyle too. Um, no, it's yeah, not. It, it's Dan. It's, it's not the that. guy that felt average at soccer saying, I'm not effing average. A quiet whispered to himself that right. I'm not an average. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, and, and it, and it feels, you know, again, there are other ones that have maybe have tighter lotteries or, or whatever, but um, yeah, I mean, it would, it would be kind of nice to, again, not that I'm not excelling already. <laughs> you're no, you're doing great. And you need to own that. Certainly we've already talked about that part, but it's a, it's a worthy goal. And it's a goal that I do think for you would represent squelching that narrative essentially. Yeah. yeah. And that's pretty powerful. That's pretty powerful. So. I think part of your next steps are owning that goal. Doesn't now, I mean, now the world knows it. So whoops, <laughs> just told the world, but owning it and, you know, and look, we got to get through Philly first. I'm not telling you not to focus there and do everything you need to do over the next five weeks to, to nail that, which I believe you will. But then I would want you to sit down with James and map out the plan to Boston, to Boston qualify, because I think it involves thinking about the evolution of your volume, thinking about the evolution of what race distances you train for. I haven't heard a lot of 5k, 10k training in this conversation so far, which I'm sure James has already told you and he's spent a little time there because the faster we get, the more we are limited by our top end speed. And you weren't developing that in a goal necessarily, but it's got to be there from your soccer days. And we've got to now extend that over 5K, 10K so that we can then eventually extend it over half marathons and marathons. So there's some of that that needs to be worked in. And just being, being very particular about how you structure your work so that it's all with that end goal in mind. I got a, I mean, I got a little taste this spring of a little speed, um, and whatnot, but yeah, but there's, I mean, I think there's a lot of different levers that are still available in, in, in these bones. You are so, you're still new in this journey. I mean, you started five years ago, you can develop your aerobic system for 15 to 20 years with consistent work. So there's so much more to go get without really even changing a lot. But obviously we want to make sure we're putting the pieces together in a way that makes sense. Because yes, in two and a half years, you're going to be looking at, assuming it doesn't change, a 320 qualifier. And hopefully by then you're well past it. Yeah. Well, cool. (laughs) I did it, guys. (laughs) Therapy session complete. I mean, yeah, I'm... (laughs) No, but now, yeah. Now the hard work begins. Is the actual operationalizing it, and I think the mental side of that is probably the hardest. Just getting to that point where you believe. 
I would definitely say that's the hardest because you are doing the work. Um, it's almost like um, there's a there's a little scene in the one of the pirates of the Caribbean where like the antagonist <laughs> is looking at the damsel in distress and saying, "You better start believing in ghost stories because you're in one." And in while that's in a negative application, there's a positive here. It's like you better start believing in it, Dan, because you're in it. Um, someone who's already uh, chipping away at two marathons, five minute PR despite conditions has built a practice of 14 mile medium long runs, a practice of not only running the McClung special in the conditions, but also the thing that you feared the most, and that's having to run alone. And you did that workout in that heat and you did it alone. Um, you, you were at your car by yourself and I was sitting on the rogue deck thinking, where the heck is he? It's like, had I not walked over, I wouldn't even caught you. You got to a spot where you, you've learned to own the work, the actual physical work, and now let your mind catch up to what your body's been doing and say, yeah, I'm living in it. I'm actually in it. Yeah. And I mean, when I let my, when I let myself feel good about those sorts of things, I mean, you know, I talked a lot about loving halves and, or loving a marathon or loving running or whatever, but I think, I mean, in the end, it's more loving myself and, loving who I am in those particular places more than it is the distance. Again, I'm deflection <laughs> here and there, putting it on the, putting it on the race, whether it be the half, the marathon or Boston or, you know, the Turkey trot or whatever it is. But I think, you know, again, the reality is, um, it's really loving myself in, in those, in those places and in those races more than anything. That's true. That's a powerful way to summarize it. And it's, it points to the beauty of the sport, which is that it can be about so much more than just putting one foot in front of the other, which is where you started. And now we're in, <laughs> we're in a much more evolved place in terms of the impact it's having on your life. But that's so cool, so powerful. And we're happy to be a part of yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, if, rogue is and the community going back to all that is has just it's absolutely changed my life and you know um even when james invited me on he's like oh, i want to get deep with you but you know you guys you guys cut even deeper than i than i was ready for but it was exactly what i needed <laughs> and for everybody else who's listening thanks for <laughs> putting, putting up with it but we got there <laughs> we got there <laughs> So, well, and thank you for being willing to go there. I appreciate that. So as we wrap, any questions you have for us? I mean, I, you have yeah, no, I mean, you, I, you guys, I mean, you unpacked it all, right? So it was, you know, how do, how do we, how do we get over the brain? How do we get over the ego? All that sort of stuff. I mean, I, I dig in on James all the time, but, um, no, I mean, I just, I'm just grateful for, for you guys and, and everything that has been built here. I really, um, I, like I said, I don't, I'm a completely different person than I was five years ago and that's uh, a better version. And, you know, a lot of that comes from the running. A lot of that comes from whatever we talk about and, and dig up on, on these runs, but I don't know. No, I've got questions. Just, just gratitude. Love it. Well, thank you. We have a lot of gratitude for you embracing it and 
being a part of it. You're a part of the fabric now. Well, thanks. All right. We will wrap it there. Thanks to Dan for sharing his story. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to my sponsors, Johnji and BetterHelp for their support. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.